Before we get to this week's episode, I want to take a second and give a shout out to Elgato. If you're doing any talking head videos, live streaming, or any sort of podcasting, it's imperative to have an awesome audio solution. On top of that, having an XLR mic will give you an even more rich and full sound than any USB mic would. Currently, what you're listening to right now is the Elgato Wave DX, and not only does it give you a professional sound, but it also gives you a sleek and professional look as well. This mic works with any XLR interface that you can find, but it works even better when you pair it with Elgato's Wave XLR, and you can use that with any mic on your computer or laptop for a both clean look as well as a great audio solution. If you want to save some money, you can also go and buy various bundles that they offer, maybe with the mic arm, an XLR cable, but you can get everything you need in one click. So head on over to Elgato.com today, that's spelled E-L-G-A-T-O.com, and shout out Elgato for their commitment to great audio. And now, let's get to this week's episode of the podcast. Alright, what is good everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Between the Tackles, an NFL podcast hosted by yours truly, Matt Tweed. Thank you so much for tuning in. If it is your first time listening, thank you so much for stumbling across our podcast. We are super excited you found us. You can find us on all platforms streaming podcasts. That is your Google, your Spotify, your Apple, any of the major podcast platforms you can find us there if you are a continued listener thank you so much for the love and for the support and the continue to ride we appreciate it um we're gonna switch up the format for this week's episode um so anybody that's used to listening how we normally do it we recap the week that was we preview the upcoming week and then we do the gambling corner which most of those things are not going away however what i kind of want to do is incorporate more of a commentary and analysis on some of the games of the week. So not to say that we're not going to talk about any other game. We're only going to talk about, you know, three or four games a week. But, I mean, there were some really good games this past week in week uh, week 14 where um, I just felt like I want to talk about them for a second. But normally in the format of the episode, I just kind of give the spread. I give maybe a little blurb of each game, and then I give how, how the game went in terms of who covered and who didn't, and then we just move on. Well, there were some good games this past week that I think had some storylines and some, I don't want to say implications, but maybe some fallout from them that I feel like need to be touched on. Um, And so I wanted to maybe go a little bit more long form on those. And so basically what I'm going to do is I'm going to roll through um, each game, who covered, who didn't, or what the spread was and who covered, and then... After that, I'll talk about the storylines of the major games that I wanna that I wanna touch on um, from last week. So the format not a whole lot different. What we'll do today is what I just said. We'll also then do a standings update. We'll preview week fifteen, which is crazy to say, and then we will get into um, the gambling corner. We'll recap all the bets from last week, and then what we're gonna do this week. So without further ado, let's dive right in. Um, Please like, rate, review, subscribe, download the podcast if you are new, and here we go. Okay, week 14 wrap-up. This will be quick. Um, Like I said, I'm going to go through each one of these, um, each one of these games in terms of the lines and where they were, where they closed, who covered, um, and then we will, after that, talk about the games of the week. So Thursday night game, which... No shocker here um, when we talk about the game. Ruined a lot 
ruined a lot of parlays. Um, Raiders, Rams. So Raiders um, closed, sorry, opened at um, six and a half. And it pretty much closed right around there, maybe six and a half or six. At FanDuel, it closed um, right around six and a half. Um, I'm trying to see exactly where it opened. It might have even opened in in, in a different spot. Um, but all that said, FanDuel closed at six and a half. And um, we got it at six and a half. We did not do super well with that, um, obviously. The Rams come all the way back, get a get a come back late from Baker Mayfield. We'll talk about that game in a little bit. Um, but Rams win the game outright and obviously cover the six and a half Texans taking on the Cowboys. Listen, every sharp in the world told you to take Texans 16, maybe 16 and a half, 17. It closed at 17 and a half at FanDuel. Everybody was on that one that was telling you, Hey, grab the 17 and a half, grab the 17. It's way too many points. And they would be right. It took a 98 yard drive with like four minutes left for the Cowboys to win this game. They end up winning, but they do not cover, obviously, the massive number that was. Um, I believe it was 24 to 20 was the final score. I'm, I forgot that. I probably should pull these up. 27-23. Um, they did win by four. Sorry, 27-23 Cowboys, but they do not cover the 17 and a half. The um, Raiders and Rams game, by the way, was 17-16 with that Baker Mayfield comeback. Okay, Buffalo Bills and Jets. Bills closed at FanDuel. Minus nine and a half. I know a lot of people that were on the 10, if they got it at 10 or the nine and a half, they just thought that the way the Bills were playing and, you know, kind of how the Jets were trending in terms of defensively, that was too many points. And it ends up being right, but not by much. Um, this was an ugly game. It was rainy. Um, Bills aren't looking as talented offensively as we thought they were. We'll talk about Josh Allen in a little bit when it comes to MVP stuff. Um, but he's definitely taking a step back. He's definitely falling off a little bit. Um, Bills win the game, but they do not cover. They win 20-12. to 12. Jets cover the 9.5. Ravens taking on the Steelers. Um, this is one that I was heavy on. I, Regardless of who the quarterback is, I just don't think that Harbaugh on the road in a divisional game with a much better team overall, should be an underdog, no matter what the problem is and who the quarterback is. And Hutley, listen, I'm not going to, this is going to sound blasphemous, and I don't mean it that way. But passing ability wise, like, I'm not saying that he's better than Lamar, but I'm saying the drop off isn't as stark as the line showed here. Running ability, definitely different. Totally understand. But, like, if we're just talking drop back and pass the ball, Huntley is not like a massive drop-off from Lamar Jackson because Lamar this year has not been great, as great as we wanted him to be throwing the football. He's been very good, but not as great as we wanted him to be. So all that said, I don't think this line was correct. I think this was a major overreaction. Um, and the Steelers being favored against the Ravens just should never happen as of late. Um, and so I was heavy on the Ravens winning this game outright and heavy on them covering, obviously. Um, I took the one and a half. I think I got it at two at one point as well. I took the one and a half and they went outright. I also had them on the money line. Browns, Bengals. Bengals close at minus four and a half at Fandle. You probably could have got it at four some places as well. I believe it got to a point maybe at like, I think it was six, then it was like six and a half, and it just steadily dropped. I think the history of the Browns kind of owning the Bengals trumped what everybody should have been able to look at and just be like, hey, the Bengals are just much better than the Browns, and Deshaun Watson is not comfortable right now, which all of that is true. Um... But that said, you know, the Bengals are just the, – the public was heavy on the Browns because of the historical record, but the Bengals were just better. Um, 
And so the Bengals end up winning this game. I think they won 24 to 10. Yep, 24 10. Sorry, 23 10. They cover the four and a half. Jacksonville taking on the Titans. Titans were favored by minus three and a half. Um, I was heavy on the Jaguars here. The Jaguars are kind of just a team that when they get embarrassed, they just tend to come back out and show up better. Um, Prince that was promised, coined by Nick Wright. Um, love him. Um, he's been kind of calling him the Prince that was promised, and he had a phenomenal game. He really helped me in some fantasy football spots this year um, in the past couple weeks as some of my quarterbacks have been out or hurt. Um, and so love what Jacksonville was able to do. I was big on the three and a half and big on the money line here. We'll talk about a big parlay I had in the gambling corner, and the Jaguars were a part of it on the money line. Jaguars cover the three and a half and win the game outright. Uh, what was it? 36-22. They pound the Titans. Titans, crazy stat. Second half points, averaging five second half points a game. That number seemed fake. And when I looked it up, I saw it on Twitter, and when I looked it up, it was real. Historically bad in the second half for these Titans. Lions taking on the Vikings. If you follow me on Twitter, follow me on Twitter at Matt underscore Tweed 22. If you follow me on Twitter, you would have seen that I was heavy on the Lions uh, on last weekend on Sunday. I hammered them a lot. They were, um, it was, everybody was telling me that the line was wrong. This is a crazy line. Why are the Lions favored over the Vikings? Because the, the, the spreads in Vegas aren't, aren't standings. They're power rankings. And right now, as of last week and as of this moment, the Lions are playing better and a better football team than the Vikings. The Vikings record is a fraudulent record. It's fake. It's not real. The Vikings aren't that good. And the Lions were at home and better. And they showed it. They win 34-23, cover the one and a half. Eagles taking on Giants. If you also follow me on Twitter, you would have seen I was heavy on the Eagles. I got this one at six and a half, actually, but it jumped all the way up to seven and a half at FanDuel. Um, I hammered the six and a half. I loved it. I thought it was a, a perfect number. I would have hammered seven. I would have hammered seven and a half. I, thought, I said on this podcast last week, it is time to start believing in the Eagles as a dominant team. That does not mean I'm saying they're going to win the Super Bowl. But in the regular season, the past, like, I don't know, 20 games, they've been dominant. And the Giants have not looked great as of late. The smoke and mirrors that the Giants are starting to come back. So I took the Eagles heavy. Eagles win by 26, 48-22. They cover the 7.5. Okay, on to the 4 o'clock window. Chiefs-Broncos. Look, this one's tough because it looked like at one point this was going to be a blowout, like a 20-plus point win. Um, and... It was 27-0 at one point. They, the Chiefs just started playing around, trying things. Mahomes was bad in the second half. He made some really bad decisions. He kind of just was throwing the ball over the place. This game should have been an easy cover for the Chiefs. It wasn't. 34-28 Chiefs win, and the Broncos actually end up covering the 8.5 after not looking great to start. Bucks taking on 49ers. This was an absolute ass-kicking. I don't have a whole lot more to talk about right now. This will be one of the games that we cover in terms of storylines. But overall, 49ers with Brock Purdy at the helm, look just like they were with every other quarterback that's been with Kyle Shanahan. They're competent. They have plenty, plenty of firepower as long as the scheme is perfect, and the scheme is usually perfect with Shanahan. 49ers win 35-7, to and they cover the 3.5. Panthers taking on Seahawks. Listen, I, I, I think the Bucs are still going to win that division, but if the Bucs continue to play like they do and the Panthers continue to play like they do, which are on different trajectories, the Panthers may make the playoffs. Fire their coach. Bench and trade or release Baker Mayfield, start Sam Darnold, who hasn't been amazing, but he's been competent and good enough to win them games. Um, they win this game 30-24. to 24. They cover the 3.5, obviously, because they went outright. 
Sunday night game, which is a game of the week we will talk about in more detail. Dolphins taking on Chargers. Chargers were three and a half point underdogs at home. I hammered that. It was stupid that they were less than that. You might have even gotten it at two and a half at one point. I kept waiting because I think everybody then started to go on the Dolphins. Um, We'll talk about that in a little bit. Chargers win this game 23-17. They cover the three and a half. They went outright. And then Patriots-Cardinals. Kyler Murray goes out. Looks like a torn ACL, so he's going to be gone all this year and, and probably a decent amount of next year. Um, we can talk about the implications of that. Basically, it sounds like your coach is going to get fired. You now have an excuse to kind of maybe look at getting a different quarterback if you want. Um, they're obviously married to Kyler Murray for a little bit, but maybe this is where you get a Jimmy G to come in for a short term. Maybe this is where a Baker, a Sam Darnold, a, a bridge quarterback maybe that you can have to kind of weather the storm until Kyler comes back. But all that said, the anemic offense of the Patriots and Mac Jones win by 14, and they cover the two and a half. Okay, let's move into storylines. There's a couple storylines I want to talk about, and I'm going to just start from the Thursday night game and move on. Thursday night game, Raiders-Rams. We're going to obviously focus on Baker Mayfield. So Baker Mayfield, off the street, Ends up starting. Well, he doesn't start, actually. He comes in in, like, the second series for the Rams. Wolford takes a hit. I don't think he was actually hurt. I think it was more of just like, hey, we're doing this as precaution, but also we want to get Baker Mayfield in because we know our ceiling with Wolford is is much lower than it is with Baker. Listen, the floor might be lower or maybe the same, but the ceiling is definitely higher with Baker. And everybody's like, well, don't the Rams want to lose? It doesn't matter. They've given away all their draft picks. It doesn't matter what they do in terms of long-term. They just need to try to win games because their draft status does not matter. They've given away all their draft picks to other teams. So whether they win or lose, where they fall in the standings doesn't matter. So saying they should try to lose, it doesn't matter. So they need to try to win so that people want to show up and continue to get season tickets so that people want to come to them as a free agency destination. They need to try to win and be competitive. So Baker Mayfield comes in, and it was not good to start, by the way. Like if we want to go play-by-play from when he came in, he came in in the second series. They do drive down the field in the second series, and they get a field goal. It was 10 to nothing at that point when he comes in. It was 10 to 3. Then, next drive, Cam Akers fumbles, which he's had a problem with over his, over his career. But they were on a bit, of a, a bit of a drive. They were at the Las Vegas 23, so they were driving again when he fumbles. But that was at second and – or no, that was a – that was a first down. So there was a chance he could have got points there. But he fumbles, 13-3. to Then they go three plays and out um, right before the half. They were basically just trying to get to the halftime. 13-3. to Then the next f- possessions are punt, punt, missed field goal by the um, Rams. And then field goal by the Raiders makes it 16-3 to with, I believe, um, 12-20 to play in the fourth quarter. Then a 17-play, 75-yard, 9-minute drive that starts at the 25, capped off with a Cam Akers run um, on first down, but followed by a, for, that was following a fourth and one at the two um, from Mayfield to Akers as well. That's a touchdown. Then three and out for the Raiders. Then 98-yard drive. 98-yard drive. Rams lead. Interception by Derek Carr. On the first play, he throws a deep ball that gets intercepted. Kneel down. Game is over. Baker Mayfield, who had been very okay, very average throughout the entire game, decides to go nuclear for two drives 
in the last 12 minutes and get two 75-plus yard drives, 175, 198 yards, and they score a touchdown. Just incredible. And is he going to be the long-term starter in, in L.A.? Probably not. But as Nick Wright has brought up a couple times when we talk about this, like when people talk about the Rams and, and Matt Stafford, we don't really know all that's going on with Matt Stafford right now. It seems kind of kind of odd and like a weird injury and kind of a scary injury. And he's got his ring. He's been playing for a long time. And some of the off-the-field stuff with his family was scary a little bit ago in the offseason. And so, like, this may be it for him. And I'm not saying then Baker deserves to be the guy. I mean, it seems like everybody kind of talks about locker rooms not loving Baker, but you should have seen when you saw the locker room after that win, listen, winning cures a lot, and I understand. But they could still cheer and not rally around Baker Mayfield and not like him. But he comes off the street 36 hours, basically 48 roughly, and doesn't really know the playbook. He had to sit next to McVeigh on the plane and just kind of chat about it for an, for hours. To come in and not look great, but then about midway through the third, just start throwing darts everywhere. Like, you got to love it, and you got to give him props. Um, so I don't know if he's a long-term starter. I think he could be a bridge guy for teams, maybe like, a, like I said, a Cardinals or a Giants or a Jets, depending on what they want to do in the draft, or a Panther. Not the Panthers, but teams like that. But what he did last Thursday night was fun. It was really cool to see. You don't have to like the guy. You don't have to think he's good. But you can respect the guy and appreciate the guy that came off the street 36 hours later, wins a game with 275-plus yard drives for touchdowns. Okay, next game I wanted to talk about was Jets and Bills. And I don't have a whole lot to go over on this. I think it was more just a high contested game because it was divisional. Jets were seven and five. Bills were nine and three. It was, you know, it, it was a really fun story. Could, you know, could the Jets, you know, upset him again? Blah blah blah. And this was an ugly game. Mike White goes out. He gets crunched by Matt Milano, who is incredible. Um, Joe Flacco comes in immediately, throws a pick, I think, or fumbles something like that. And. I don't want to be the person to overreact to an ugly game because, I mean, literally the first half was all punts except for one touchdown right before the half by the by the Bills. And then it was touchdown, touchdown, fumble, and then a bunch of scores and fumbles and stuff like that. So it was a fumble by Flacco. So, but I think it showed, everybody was talking about how great the Bills' offense was. And, and it was until we started to get film. Until teams started to realize, oh, they don't run the ball, and they can't run the ball, and the only person who does run the ball is Josh Allen. So, drop eight, maybe drop seven. Have four, you know, have a spy. Drop seven, drop eight. Force underneath routes because again, the Bills are a lot like the Chiefs in how they've built their offenses. They want to go, they want to chunk play, chunk play deep, deep, deep. Now the Chiefs have adjusted. And they're taking these long 13, 14, 15 play drives and taking the underneath routes and running the football. But the Bills have yet to develop a running game. We talk about this almost every week, I feel like, when it comes to their offense. It's not diverse. It's very cookie cutter. It's the same thing, which is just let Josh Allen be Superman and do everything. And listen, they won the game. But, I mean, let me read you the Bills' drives. First drive, three and out. Five, five plays and out. Three and out. Nine and out. Three and out. Seven plays touchdown, six plays touchdown, five plays field goal, five plays field goal, a safety, three and out, three and out, end of game. Now, the Bills' defense was great too. I mean, Jets, punt, 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 
all in the first half. They never they didn't do anything but punt. But this offense was supposed to be led by an MVP who was supposed to be the best quarterback in the league, supposedly by by people. And this team couldn't even put up points in the first half until the end of the first half on probably some prevent entire defense. I mean, team stats? They did have 102 rushing yards, so that's a little more than I thought they would have had. But 102 rushing yards. Think about that. That's that's kind of crazy, right? That this offense that supposedly everybody is telling me is supposed to be an incredible offense and be a really diverse offense and all this stuff. They're fourth in they're fourth in DVOA in offense. But let's look at their let's look at their run DVOA. I mean, they're fifteenth in the league in rush DVOA, which is actually a little higher than I thought it was going to be. Some other notable teams that are really good on offense but terrible rushing the football. Miami. Weirdly, San Francisco. But some teams that are really high on offense but are really good at rushing. Philadelphia, Baltimore, Cincinnati. Kansas City's up to 11th. Dallas, 4th. So I just worry about the rush for the, the rush game for... Buffalo not being able to salt games, not being able to just pound teams down. Um, but at the end of the day, they're winning. So I can't really be that upset and that concerned. Browns, Bengals, other game I wanted to touch on really quick. Um, I've got to say this, and we'll do a standings update in a little bit. Um, I've got to say this. I think the Bengals may be the second best team in the AFC. And I'm going to do another thing after the standings update. I'm going to give my top 10, my tiers. Um, but I think, I think the Bengals are the second best team in the AFC. And I wouldn't have said that five weeks ago, but without Lamar, they're going to end up beating Baltimore. So they're going to, they're going to have the lead in the division. So they're going to be the three seed. They also then have the head to head over Kansas city. Now I don't think Kansas city loses. I think they went out, but I also think Cincinnati might win out how good they're playing. And if, and if the chiefs, slip up once or twice, and the Bengals only slip up once, they have the head-to-head, they could be the two-seed. Listen, I don't know what Buffalo's going to end up doing. Buffalo's next few games are um, Miami, Cincinnati, New England, and, and Chicago, which will obviously be a dub against Chicago. But, I mean, Miami doesn't look great, and they may have the – we're going to talk about that Sunday night game. We may have the, the formula to, to stop them. But all that said, I think – Cincinnati may end up the second seed or the second, not second seed, but I think they may be the second best team in the AFC from what I've seen so far. Um, And they just thoroughly dominated defensively. I don't think Hendrickson and Sam Hubbard get enough pub. I think that defense is filthy. That defensive line is filthy. That back end, while might be sus at times, pretty filthy. I don't think they get enough pub. Um, So watch out for Cincinnati. I think Joe Burrow is a sneaky MVP candidate. Um, I do think right now it's clearly Mahomes. And then Hertz is behind him. But I think third is probably Joe Burrow. He's been playing incredibly. I mean, he's got 3,685 yards, 70% completion percentage, 27 touchdowns. And the only 
the only bad game really that he's had is the first game against Pittsburgh where he had a bunch of picks. So I think he's incredible. And I'm, I think they're the second best team in the AFC. I really do. Okay, let's get to the Sunday night game. Vikings-Lions, that's fun. Eagles-Giants, that was fun. But I really want to talk about the Sunday night game. Quickly want to touch on the 49ers. Um, to all you Jimmy G fans out there, I told you I'm not a fan of Jimmy G. I'm kind of a hater, if you will. I'm just I'm not on the I'm not on the Jimmy G bandwagon. Um Yeah, I I think this was further evidence for me that I think it was further evidence for me that Shanahan just is is incredible and Purdy honestly probably does a little bit more of what he wants Jimmy Garoppolo to do, but he doesn't trust him to do. Purdy had two touchdowns against the Bucks outside the numbers in one game. That's more, or sorry, that's tied for the exact same number that Garoppolo has had with the 49ers his entire tenure. In the same game, Brock Purdy had as many as Jimmy Garoppolo has had in his tenure of touchdowns outside the numbers. Two. In one game. So don't tell me so don't tell me that that Jimmy G was the reason that they were doing so well. It's the defense is great, and Shanahan is so good at scheming up offense. Okay, now onto the Sunday night game. Sorry. Um, Chargers Tua, Herbert Tua. I can't believe I'm having to do, address this. The debate's ridiculous. There's not a GM in the league other than maybe Kansas City that wouldn't have Herbert on their team right now, that wouldn't want him on their team right now. There's a bunch of teams that wouldn't want Tua. But there's not a single one outside of the Chiefs and maybe the Bengals. Yeah, yeah, those... And maybe the Buffalo Bills because of Josh Allen. But I still think there is a part of Sean McDermott that might be like, man, having Justin Herbert and maybe being able to develop a run game would be nice. Anyway, there's like four teams maybe that wouldn't three or four teams that wouldn't want Herbert right now. You don't think that you don't think that the Eagles would just be like, Man, Herbert or Hurts. I know he's having a great year, but like long term. And I know this might sound blasphemous, but like it is what it is. There was no, there was never a debate. It was always Herbert. It's always been Herbert, and it always should be Herbert. Herbert is bigger, better arm, more accurate, more durable, doesn't have the injury concerns, and he's just a better quarterback. You guys were all enamored from the six-week stretch that Miami had from playing non-playoff teams and a couple playoff teams that they were losing and then came back, which credit to them. But I'm going to talk about what I saw from Miami. Aside from a crazy kind of lucky play by Tyreek to pick up a ball, scoop, and score, and then a throw where it was underthrown, but the defender fell down, so he was wide open. Tua started the game 3-for-17. The only other more pass attempts to be worse was Ryan Leaf, 4-for-18, to start a game. Tua was awful. And I think he ended up 10 for 28, which honestly I was shocked it was 
was that high. I thought it was worse than that. But then again, you look down, and they were down by three. I'm not absolving Herbert of some of the bad throws and some of the rough things that he does. He does have some moments when he's playing that are just bad. But come on. The throws that Herbert made that everybody had their jaws dropped, there's not a single one of those throws that Tua could make in his dreams. And that's the problem with the debate. Because there is none. Herbert is going to be a quarterback for the next 18 years, 15 to 18 years. Tua may last and be a, a, a high-end starter or an st- average starter five years. Listen, I love what Mike McDaniel has done investing in him and telling him that he believes in him and he's the guy and all that stuff. But come on. There's no debate. It's always Herbert. It's always been Herbert. Okay, let's move into a standings update real quick here. So in the AFC, a little bit of movement, but not a whole lot. Buffalo Bills still number one seed. They got the tiebreaker over Kansas City head-to-head, both 10-3. and three. Kansas City number two, 10-3. Baltimore, 9-4. and four. Have the tiebreaker, though, over Cincinnati because of the head-to-head win early on in the season. However, the Bengals will have them later on in the year, in the next four weeks, to be able to avenge that. Um, Titans at four because they lead the division. They are 7-6. and six. And that one seems like it's probably going to be um, probably going to be steady. That may not change much. Bengals, the five seed at nine and four. Again, we talked about the head-to-head over the Ravens. But like I said, I do think that they avenge that loss and end up winning a couple more games down the, down the rest of the stretch here and end up probably taking that second or third spot and win the division. Bengal, or, uh, Dolphins, eight and five at the sixth spot. And right now, Patriots in the seventh spot, seven and six. They have the tiebreaker over Los Angeles because of percentage in conference games, and they have the tiebreaker over the Jets um, because of the head-to-head. Chargers are outside looking in at 7-6. and six. They have the tiebreaker over the Jets because of conference percentage win, or conference win percentage, and the Jets at 7-6, and six, kind of the last team looking in. There are a few teams at 5-8, and eight, but they don't really have a shot. It's going to come down to Patriots, Chargers, Jets, and Dolphins for those last two spots there and really Patriots Chargers Jets for the last spot at seven okay on to the NFC like we oh there is a chance now there is a last week we didn't have any tiebreakers now we have one Eagles one seed they have clinched the playoffs they are 12 and one Vikings they are two at 10 and three, 49ers third at nine and four. The under 500 Buccaneers, four spots, six and seven. They lead their division. Cowboys, 10 and three, five spot. Commanders, seven and five and one, the sixth spot. And they do have the tiebreaker over the Giants because of their win percentage in division games. They are one, two and one in the division. The Giants have not won a game in their division. They are seven. Seahawks have fallen off. They were in the sixth spot a couple weeks ago. They have now dropped outside looking in. They are seven and six. And then the Lions kind of creeping up at the end, six and seven. I think you're looking at those four teams for for two spots. Commanders, Giants, Seahawks, Lions. I'm pushing for the Lions. I want them to get in. I think they're fun. I think they're playing their best football right now. And they have a better conference win percentage than the Seahawks. If the Lions can continue to kind of win these NFC North games and NFC games, they might have a shot. Got to keep winning out, though. Um, okay, let's do tiers really quick. Who I think are the best teams in football. I think the Chiefs are still the best team in football. I will have them as the number one team until Patrick Mahomes is no longer on that team and they start losing. 
Chiefs number one. I have the Bengals, or sorry, then I have the Eagles as probably the second best team in football. I then have the Bengals, then I'll go Bills, then I'm going to go 49ers, then I'm going to go Cowboys, and I think that's probably all that matters after that. Some of these other teams don't really matter. I don't think they have real legitimate shots to win the title. So I'm going to go Chiefs 1, Eagles 2, Bengals 3, Bills 4, um, 49ers 5, and then um, Cowboys 6. That's where I land on those. That is not a standings. That is power rankings. That is who I think are the top six teams in the NFL and who I think can actually win the, the NFL title. Okay, moving on to preview week 15. Kind of crazy we are already in week 15, but nevertheless, here we go. Thursday night game, a big one. 49ers taking on the Seahawks. This is massive more for the uh, Seahawks than it is for the 49ers, but it is a divisional game nonetheless. 49ers are um, right now three-point favorites at FanDuel. Um, we will use FanDuel in a little bit to do all of our gambling corner picks here, but uh, three and a half or sorry, three right now. I could see this going to three and a half if you want to get it. This, you know, this will probably drop on Friday, so you'll already know who wins. Um, so we're not going to talk about what you can get it at. I just realized that. Um, it's at three. I see it being probably right around three to three and a half when it closes. Three would be the ideal number to get it at if you've already bet it. Um, hopefully you've locked it in already. Um and got it locked in, but we'll know exactly what happens. I see the San Francisco 49ers winning this game um, probably by a touchdown or so. Seahawks are kind of reeling. Geno Smith hasn't looked as good as he did in the past couple weeks. Um, so shout out the 49ers. I think they get to 10-4 and four after this. I think this is a real legitimate shot to win the title. we got some Saturday games because college football and bowl season will be starting but we got to love that Christmas-ish feel to get in the NFL on a Saturday. I think we've got three Saturday games. We've got a 1 o'clock game between the Colts and the Vikings. Vikings at home, four-and-a-half-point favorites. Um, does this count as prime time for Kirk Cousins? Because if it does, I'm taking the Colts. Um, but overall, I don't trust the Colts. They're not very good, but I also don't trust Kirk Cousins. I'm going to take Colts plus four-and-a-half. Ravens taking on the Browns. What a game. 4-30. This Saturday is kind of fun. There's like... In, in Ohio, there's a, like six either college or pro sports being done on Saturday, which is pretty fun. Um, Browns favored by two and a half at home. I would take that. It's below a field goal. I don't like the way the Ravens are playing right now. I don't like the way the Browns are playing, but I really don't like the way the Ravens are playing. Um, I do think that there's a possibility for Deshaun Watson to kind of turn things around right now. Browns minus two and a half. Lock it in. Saturday night, Dolphins, Bills. Um, I didn't bring this up when I was talking about storylines for the Dolphins in that game, I think defenses have figured out that you can really bump and run and press and knock the Dolphins receivers off their routes. There used to be this phenomenon with like Tyree Kill and fast receivers that if you just like, you didn't want to get too close to them because they just burn you off the, off the line. But instead, maybe give them five yards and then punch them. Just beat them off the line. And it looked like it really stifled the Dolphins. That being said... I don't love this matchup for either team, but the Dolphins are going to have to go to Buffalo. If it was six and a half, I might like it. I'm, I'm not probably going to push with the Bills, but I'm going to take Bills minus seven. I don't know if the Dolphins have it anymore. Falcons taking on the Saints. This is our, our slate of Sunday games. Saints favored by four and a half. Desmond Ritter is going to be starting for the Falcons. That's probably why this number is where it is. Saints minus four and a half at home. I'm going to take that. 
Lions taking on the Jets. This one's crazy. Lions are favored on the road, according to FanDuel, by one, minus one. Um, I love the way that the Lions are playing, but the Jets are at home. I don't know if they're going to have a fully healthy Mike White. Oh, I don't want to – I don't know. Let's ride the Lions. Lions minus one, and we'll take them on the money line too when that number comes out. Chiefs minus 14 against the Texans on the road. Texans plus 14 at home. I just worry this is going to be a lot of the same stuff from last week. I don't like taking the Chiefs two touchdowns against anybody because there's just a backdoor cover. Doesn't look great. So I would lean Texans plus 14, but I will never bet the Texans, so I'm not going to bet this one. But I don't like getting two touchdowns at all with any NFL team. Bears at home against the Eagles. Bears plus nine at home. Um, look, this I love this this team. I love Justin Fields. I love the Bears, but the Eagles are going to pummel them. Take the Eagles minus nine. Steelers taking on Panthers. Panthers at home, favored by two and a half. Oh man, Mike Tomlin on the road, less than a field goal. I don't know who's going to be quarterback. I'm still going to probably take the Panthers minus two and a half at Fanduel. It's a little bit of juice. So if you want to, if you find it somewhere else and want the plus three, go for it. I'm going to take the minus two and a half with the Panthers. Cowboys, Jags. Jags plus four and a half at home. This just seems like a game that the roller coaster of the Jaguars is going to enact itself. I'm going to take Cowboys minus four and a half there. Four o'clock games. Cardinals taking on the Broncos. Broncos favored by two and a half at home. I guess they're assuming, or we know this, at least Colt McCoy might start. I don't know if the third string might get a look. Colt McCoy looks to be the starter. Broncos minus two and a half. Lock it in. Raiders minus one at home against the Patriots. Don't love that for the Raiders. I'm going to take the Patriots probably plus one. And I'm uh, sorry, I'm going to take the Raiders minus one probably on the money line as well. I think they can upset the Patriots here. Final four o'clock game. Is that four? Four? Oh, no, that's three four o'clock games. No, one, two. Yeah, there's going to be four four o'clock games. Sunday, 425. Chargers taking on the Titans. Chargers favored by three at Fandle. You may be able to get it two and a half other places. I am going to take um, Chargers minus three. I think the Tennessee Titans are just reeling right now, not looking great, and their second half numbers are bad. Bengals taking on the Bucks minus three and a half on the road. Bucks plus three and a half at home. I'm taking the Bengals minus three and a half. Buccaneers stink. Sunday night, not a great one, but it's Commanders-Giants. Everybody will still watch, though, because it is the NFL. Commanders taking on Giants. Commanders minus 4.5 at home. Take the Giants plus 4.5. Hope you can get lucky. Packers minus 6.5 against the Rams. I assume it's going to be Baker Mayfield. I don't think that really matters. I still think the Rams stink. Um, Packers minus 6.5. Lock it in. Okay, let's move now to the gambling corner where we recap the bets that were... And then we pre or we give out the picks for the um, best bets and the tweet trifecta for week fifteen. So let's start recapping last week. I will recap the podcast bets and then I will give you all the bets that I hit from last week. So the podcast best bets. Do you remember what they were? Eagles minus six and a half. Patriots minus one and a half. Hit them both. Lock it in. We got him. 2-0 week for the best bets. However, for the tweet trifecta and the teaser, we lost both of them because we had the Raiders and they lost outright. So we're not going to talk about that, but the best bets, we went 2-0, 2-0, 2-0. Love that. Best bets. Okay. NFL bets from last week on my personal betting prowess. Jaguars plus 3.5. Hit it. I bet the Eagles minus 6.5, obviously. Hit it. Patriots minus 1.5. Hit it. Um, I bet... 
what else did I bet? Let me pull it up. Um, I bet Chargers plus three and a half on Sunday night. Hit it. And everybody wants to know. A couple weeks ago, we hit a parlay for about three grand. Last week, hit a parlay for three grand. 16 money line parlay. The parlay was, if I remember correctly, I think I tweeted it. Eagles, Ravens, Jags, Bills, Niners, Chiefs. Plus 1400. I bet about 250. Got me right around three grand. So shout out. Um, I had a three team teaser at 1 p.m. that did not hit. I had Browns plus six and a half. Did not hit. I had Ravens money line. That was the one I was thinking of. Did hit. Lions money line hit. And then Chargers plus three and a half and the 16 parlay. So we were very much in the green on Sunday. I've been on a roll NFL betting um, in terms of personal, but also podcast best bets have not been doing so bad. Okay. Best bets this week. We will not do the Thursday night game because you will be getting this. Um, You'll be getting this on Friday after that game has already happened. Um, My best bets, I'm going to go Eagles minus nine. I'm going to continue to ride the Eagles until they lose. And then Bengals minus three and a half. Those are the two best bets. Eagles minus nine. Bengals minus three and a half. Those are them locking in. Okay, now let's do tweet trifecta. Can we hit another money line parlay? Do we throw in some Saturday games? Do we throw in a Saturday game? Bills money line. Eagles money line. Bengals money line. That's all we need. Bills, Eagles, Bengals gets you to plus 150 for a three-team parlay. Bills, Eagles, Bengals. So we'll remove that now. That's your parlay. And your teaser, we're looking for numbers that we can knock down. So we're going to go Bills just to win. We'll take that from seven down to just to pick them. We'll take the Eagles down to minus two. And then, ooh, I'm going to go a four-teamer here. Okay, so we're going to tease this seven points. We get Bills down to just win. Eagles just to minus two, so win by a field goal. Bengals now from minus three to three and a half, just in case they lose, you get the hook with the field goal. And then Chargers from minus three to plus four, you get the extra point with the field goal as well. I think all these teams, by the way, win outright, but I decided to get them at least, you know, some numbers down. Um That way we can hopefully cover our losses in the event that maybe some wacky things happen. That four-team teaser gets to plus 180, as it always does with seven points. So plus 180 for the teaser. Bills down to a pick'em. Eagles down to minus two. Bengals on the other side, flip side, to plus three and a half. And the Chargers on the other side, plus four. And then the three-team parlay again was Bills, Eagles, Bengals, plus 150. All right, fam, that is going to do it for another episode of Between the Tackles. Thank you so much for listening. Again, please remember to like, rate, review, subscribe, download the podcast. And if you're a continued listener, thanks for the love. All right, fam, we'll catch you next week. Peace.